Open your Bibles to the book of James. We are in James chapter 1, and we are in verses 19 and 20. So as we continue through the book of James, the book of James is often compared to Jewish wisdom literature. Some people, and sometimes the book of James is called the Proverbs of the New Testament. And that's because James, like most devout Jews of his day, would have been familiar with and influenced by the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, the Proverbs, um, Ecclesiastes, as well as the wisdom literature of the intertestamental period. So our text today, James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, these two verses may seem in some ways to kind of stand alone from what preceded them and what's going to follow them. But a better way to think of these two verses is a transitional in- introduction to the section that's coming after this. Our text today, James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scripture. We thank you for the power of the gospel, the power to reach through the hardness of men's hearts. And bring salvation. Father, we ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and open our minds today. And allow your good word, allow the good seed of your word to be implanted in our hearts. And by your grace and in your mercy that it would be watered and nurtured and cultivated. And that you would bring forth the increase. A righteous harvest of the fruit of the Spirit as a witness to this world of our Savior and the love He demonstrated by giving Himself up on the cross. Father, we ask that You would grant us salvation, that You would teach us and transform us, renew our minds, God, that you would be glorified in your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wisdom is an important theme in the letter of James, as it is in all of Scripture and in the life of every believer. We are exhorted to seek wisdom, to ask God for it, to recognize when we lack it and then ask Him. And the Bible says, James writes, That if we ask God, he will give liberally and without reproach to those who ask. And when we receive that wisdom from God, the point is that we would walk in it. That we would discern the times that we're living in. And we would, as Paul writes, walk circumspectly, wisely, not as fools. Wisdom must not only be what is in our heart and in our heads or in our minds, but wisdom must come out of our hands and our feet and certainly out of our mouth. 
James applies wisdom in his letter the same way that the Apostle Paul applies the Holy Spirit in his letter. James does not talk about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the same way Paul does, but he talks about wisdom. And James is not substituting wisdom for the Holy Spirit. His letter inherently communicates the wisdom from God we are to seek and we are to walk in, and it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer that teaches and imparts wisdom and then empowers the believer to walk in that wisdom. It is the Spirit that illuminates the Word of God so that we may walk wisely in the truth. The sign that we are walking in wisdom and the sign that we are walking in the fullness of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit in our life. It is wisdom applied that produces doers of the Word and not hearers only. In wisdom, we walk in the Spirit and we do not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Wisdom appears in three passages in James' letter. In James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, which we've already looked at, wisdom is the gift we ask to receive from God in the context of the trial of faith that we go through. In James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, wisdom is something that descends from above and produces godly virtues in the life of the believer. Godly wisdom is contrasted in these verses with worldly and sensual wisdom that is not from God. So there is the wisdom of God and there is the wisdom of this world. We're not to live by the wisdom of this world. We are to live by the wisdom of God. In James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, the verses we covered last week, we saw that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. And there is no doubt that wisdom is included in these good and perfect gifts that come from the Father of lights. It is wisdom that will help us apply the exhortation in our text today. So James chapter 1, verse 19, James writes, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So then. In the older manuscripts, it's actually rendered, you know this, or you know, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. What is it that James wants us to? To know, in light of who our God is, the Father of lights, with who there is no variation, there is no shadow of turning. In other words, there is no evil, there is no darkness in Him at all. We should be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Why? Verse 20 gives us the answer. Because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Not only does the wrath of man not produce the righteousness of God, it does not give witness to the nature and character of God as seen in the godly wisdom that we are to walk out and that we are to walk in. We are to give witness to the truth. God is love and God is light. The Bible literally says this. 
God is love and God is light. And even when God sends his judgment, it is never outside the context of his love or his light. That is a hard concept for the world to understand. But that is the truth. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, and we are to seek his wisdom so that the witness of our life is consistent with our Father, who is the giver of every good and every perfect gift. Knowing this, as beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Notice that James writes, let every man be. James wants every believer to understand how his life is to give witness. Every man, every person naming the name of Christ has an expectation to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. James is pulling from the wisdom of God as recorded for us in the scripture. He does so to inform us how we are to conduct ourselves in life through the trials of faith that we endure, and especially those that involve the challenging dynamic of relationship to others. We live in a world full of people. We're here to give witness to them, and James informs us this applies to every believer. We live in a world full of people, and we've all experienced how difficult it can be navigating those relationships, whether they are relationships of people that are close to us or whether it's relationships that the guy just happened to bump into on the street. Or maybe I bumped into him with my car. So there is a way we are to walk out godly wisdom. Be swift to hear, James writes. Be swift to hear is another way of saying be swift to listen We are to be swift to listen to and listen for the truth. Being a good listener is one of the greatest skills we can seek to develop and hone in our life. Being a good listener means we are swift to hear and we are hearing with an open ear and not with an ear only for our own agenda. As a man... And as a husband, I will freely confess to you that I am sometimes challenged in this area. And if you don't believe me, you can ask my wife and she will tell you that I don't always hear what's being said. Proverbs 17, 27 through 28. Solomon writes, he who has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. If I am sparing my words, if I remain calm, when I hold my peace, I should be hearing what is being said. I should be swift to hear. I should be swift to listen and learn so that I may speak when and how wisdom would dictate. We teach our children at KCCS this word to live by. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? 
Before we speak, we should ask ourselves these questions. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Not all things that are true and even kind are necessary. That's a difficult question for some of us to learn, but it is a valuable lesson for us to learn. How do we know what is? Well, wisdom teaches us what is true, what is kind, and wisdom especially teaches us what is necessary and what is not. Be slow to speak. In other words, wisdom teaches me when and how to open my mouth and to speak. Be slow to speak, James writes. Be slow to begin speaking is how we understand this. He's not not saying that we should be speaking slowly. He's saying we should begin speaking slowly. Don't rush into what you have to say. We should measure our words when we speak. Not the pace of our speaking, but the quality of our speech. Proverbs 10, 19 through 21. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. He who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The lips of the righteous feed many, not with a big word salad, but with words that are measured as choice silver. Being slow to speak is an exhortation to be thoughtful about the choice of what rolls off our lips. Will it be choice silver that will feed many? Or will it be worth less because we were too quick to respond or too thoughtless about our response? The ancients had a saying, Men have two ears but one tongue, that they should hear more than they speak. The ears are always open, ever ready to receive instruction, but the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and to keep it within proper bounds. This also now applies to our fingertips in ways the ancients could not perceive. But the principle is the same for orators or for keyboard warriors. Be swift to hear and slow to speak. Make sure your tongue is choice silver and your lips feed many through your righteous and wise speaking, born out of ears that are swift to hear. Then James writes this, be slow to wrath. Be slow to respond with speech that is motivated by anger. Be slow to utter angry Speech. Be slow to give place to anger and so give place to the enemy. Being angry is not a sin in and of itself. The scripture does, however, give us a warning about being angry and sinning. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, Paul writes, 
Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. There is a righteous anger we may have and not sin. There is also the real danger and the real temptation to be angry and to sin. We may be angry, but we must not be angry and sin. Anger is something we are not to hold on to. And if you find that you are holding on to anger, you may find that you are being angry and sinning. Ecclesiastes 7.9, Solomon writes this. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Let me say that again. I want you to hear this. Anger rests in the bosom of fools. In other words, the fool... The fool holds on to his anger. It rests in his bosom. Think about a a baby that's held in the bosom. Is anger something that you are nurturing? Something that you are cradling? Something that you are holding tight to yourself? The scripture says the fool holds on to his anger, and it rests in his bosom. As believers, we are to release our anger to God. The wise man, the man who is slow to wrath, the man who is able to rule over his spirit, is a man who is called better than the mighty, better than he who takes a city. Proverbs 16, 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit better than he who takes a city. That's a powerful and profound statement about the man who walks in the power of the spirit, not fulfilling the lusts of his flesh, but manifesting the fruit of the spirit, exercising self-control. Self-control is the last characteristic that Paul lists In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, when he lists the fruit of the Spirit. I say that there's only one fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit has characteristics like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control is a characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. The man who is able to exercise self-control, who is slow to anger, is better than the mighty. He is better than a man who takes a city. And James is writing here that this is possible for every man by God's grace and God's wisdom by the work of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, James would not have written, let every man be slow to speak. Let every man be swift to hear. Let every man be slow to wrath. The ability of a man to rule over his spirit and resist the temptation to give place to anger and wrath is a man that can bring peace in the midst of contention. Again, the proverb teaches us this. Proverbs 15, 18. 
A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays or calms contention. We may understand this in the context of the wisdom that James has already written about in his letter. Seek wisdom from God, for the wise man will rule over his spirit. He will be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. When you sense that you're being tempted to speak rashly, when you sense that you are being tempted to not listen when you should be keeping your mouth shut and your ears open, when you sense the temptation that you are being moved to wrath, you need God's wisdom. You need to ask God to give you wisdom. You need to ask Him to help you through the power of the Holy Spirit so that you will have the wisdom to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That man will count it all joy when he falls into various trials, for he will know that the testing of his faith produces patience. Knowing this, he will let patience have its perfect work, that he may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The wrath of man is counterproductive to the righteousness of God. Verse 20, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The love of God and the wrath of God are very often thought of as mutually exclusive things. But they are not. The love of God and the wrath of God are not, hear me church, they are not mutually exclusive. In God, they exist together in divine harmony and divine providence. And the greatest, most perfect way this is demonstrated is in the cross of Christ. In the cross, the wrath of God was poured upon the Son of God. And the Son of God took all of the Father's wrath that was due us. Those he chose before the foundation of the world. And even with all of God's wrath being poured out in the cross, all of God's love was manifest there because through the taking of that wrath, God demonstrated his love for us in sending his own son who died for us so that we may live. And there in the cross, you have the perfect harmony of the wrath of God and the love of God that comes together to form the salvation of God's people, the gospel, the good news. But the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The love of God and the wrath of God are not mutually exclusive. But the wrath of man, on the other hand, is contrary to God's love. And it does not produce the righteousness of God. Thus, James writes, be slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man is contrary to God's righteousness. It does not produce righteousness. In fact, it is unrighteous. This is why Paul writes, be angry, but do not sin. 
If you think you can navigate that, I pray that you can. If you recognize your own human weakness, I suggest that we pray that God would just help us not be angry so that we're not engaging in sin. We're not to minister or serve the Word of God with a wrathful spirit. We cannot produce the righteousness of God with the wrath of man. In fact, we are commanded to extend holy hands without wrath. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Paul writes, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Lifting up holy hands. Why are your hands holy? Because God has made them holy through the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus, who took the wrath you deserve upon himself and gave to you and imputed to you the righteousness that's not your own, but is the righteousness of Christ. And has called you holy, not because you're holy, but because he is holy and he has imputed that holiness to us through the blood of his son. When we pray, we are not to pray with wrath, but without wrath. We are not to pray in anger, but we pray having given our anger and our wrath to God. We confess those things that cause us to be angry and to sin, so that we may pray without wrath, without doubting, we may then pray with assurance and faith that God sees and hears and knows all. That's why we give our anger and our wrath to Him. Vengeance is not ours. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. It belongs to God. It's not your place to repay. The Bible says He will repay one day. Does that mean we can't be righteously angry? You can be righteously angry, but you need to guard your heart to make sure your righteous anger doesn't turn into unrighteous anger. That's why we are to give our anger to God and trust Him with it. As parents, we do not discipline our children out of anger. We discipline out of love. We may be angry, but angry must not be our motivation for discipline. It must be love. God does not discipline us because he's angry with us, but because he loves us. We know every good father disciplines his children. Not because he's angry, but because he is loving. Discipline may not be pleasant, but it may be necessary. And because discipline is necessary, a loving father will discipline the children he loves. That should be true for earthly fathers and earthly mothers because it is true for our heavenly Father. It is the love of God, the wisdom of God, and the Spirit of God working in man that produces the righteousness of God. God is holy, so we are called to be holy. We are to be set apart from the world, giving witness to His manifold wisdom. This is what... Ephesians 3 verse 10 says has been given to the church. It's been given to the church to make known to powers and to principalities the manifold wisdom of God. The world is full of unrighteous anger and wrath. We see it, we hear it, we experience it every day. 
The self-righteousness of man is actually unrighteousness. Man's wrath will never produce the righteousness of God. And as children of God, born of the Father of lights, we must give witness to a better, more holy and righteous way. We are called to be a people where every man is swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath knowing that the wrath of man will never produce the righteousness of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand for your charge today. We live in a world that is in desperate need of the righteousness of God. Our unrighteous anger will not serve that need. Our unrighteous indignation and personal offense taken up for God will not serve that need. The wrath of man will not serve that need. It can never produce the righteousness of God that is needed. If we will heed God's word, If we will ask for and then seek to operate in God's wisdom, we can see the righteousness of God produced. If we will purpose to be a people who are swift to hear, not only what others have to say, but what God has to say from His Word, we will see the righteousness of God produced. If we will purpose to be a people who are slow to speak, who wisely choose their words so that they are choice silver from the lips, from lips that will feed many, we will see the righteousness of God produced. If we will purpose to be a people slow to wrath, who patiently and with long suffering endure the testing of our faith, trusting the Lord to give us the wisdom necessary to let patience have its perfect and complete work. We will be a people lacking nothing, and we will see the righteousness of God produced. We can see today that being swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath are characteristics lacking everywhere we turn. There is much self-righteousness on display, but too little of God's righteousness. The people of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, of all people, must bear witness to the righteousness of God and make known to all the life and light and love of God that can only be known in Jesus Christ. God has charged us and he has empowered us to do just that. Amen? Amen.